Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdad. I'm Greta Johnson, and I am sure that I do not need to tell you that this has been an incredibly tumultuous couple of weeks, let alone like 2020 as a whole. And I don't know about you, but I've actually been having many more conversations over the past couple of weeks with white friends, especially about what they can be doing to help address some of the systemic issues that some people are only now confronting for the first time. And last week, you may know, we did an episode full of ideas for books that you can read. And today we're going to talk about another thing a lot of us, and and by us, I mean white people like me, could be doing a lot more of, uh, and that's talking about race and white privilege among our white friends and family members. That can feel super complicated and overwhelming and uncomfortable. But a white lady who I've seen doing a very good job of it is Kate Schatz. She is our guest today. She's been doing these great videos on Instagram Live. Many of you already know about Kate because she's been a guest on Nerdette before. She's got a bunch of awesome books, including Rad American Women A to Z, Rad Women Worldwide, and most recently, Rad American History A to Z. These books are all illustrated by Miriam Klein-Stahl, who's also awesome, and they're geared toward kids, and they're really great books. So the reason Kate started talking to white people about race on Instagram Live last week is actually a really great story, and it's especially great when she tells it. So I'm just going to let Kate take it away from here. Last week, um, Kamau Bell, the wonderful comedian, he went on Conan, um, and uh, decided we, he and I had been talking about how he was getting a lot of uh, rich, powerful white people coming his way saying, what can I do in the wake mm-hmm. of everything that's been going on the past few weeks? And, and he reached out to me and was like, I don't know what to tell these white people. Like, can you talk to them? <laughs> can I send them to you? And I said, yeah. Can you take on some of this labor? <laughs> Great. This is, yeah. He's like, this is not, this is not his work to do. Um, he's busy, man. And uh, so I was like, yeah, send me your white people. Um, I did not expect that the first white person he would <laughs> send my way would be Conan O'Brien. <laughs> um, Actually, right now, Conan, I'm going to assign you a friend of mine to be in charge of your whiteness. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Get, I, want is, my, I want my assignment. I really do. I didn't come here just to talk. I'm giving you homework. So okay. give your kids the autobiography of Malcolm X. Re, you read it, too, if you haven't read it. And it's not. you can't just watch the movie. The movie's great. But read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And a friend of mine named Kate Schatz, who's a white woman who wrote the book Rad American Women A to Z, is deals with white people all the time about how to deal with this work. So Kate Schatz, she's on Twitter. I'll hook you guys up later, is now in charge of Conan O'Brien's whiteness. Okay. Well, and also, I'm not just white. I am so f-ing white. <laughs> uh, and but what that really means is it's, it's not really Conan O'Brien. It's like Conan's like bajillion uh, Twitter and Instagram followers. Um, and so I, 
you know, it's a little bit facetious, you know, Kamau putting me in charge of Conan's whiteness, making me his whiteness tutor, but, but it has some real heft to it. And I, I was like, well, what am I going to do with this weird moment where people are suddenly tuning into me on social media and following? Well, am I just going to retweet something that somebody already said or make another book recommendation? Or I can just use this format I've been using um, to talk to people. So that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific sort of person who you're kind of envisioning when you're when you're having this conversation or are you like how you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely talking to white people right now, for one. Um, yeah. And I, I really think it's essential that these conversations about race um, and racism and white supremacy and privilege and all this be really actively happening all over the place, but especially in white spaces um, among white people. And I think that, you know, it's great that folks like Conan and all these late night folks are having a lot of black guests last week and this week and wanting to have those conversations, but we also need to be having them with with fellow white people. Um, So beyond that though, you know, I think a lot of the people that are tuning in, I think there's a lot of white women, especially, who mm-hmm. want to say something, want to do something, want to take action, but they they don't know what to do. And I think a lot of people feel really paralyzed and, and fearful of getting it wrong, um, of saying mm-hmm. the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. Well, if I put up this sign, is it okay? Will people be mad at me? And I think that's both about the worry of offending people of color, of misstepping, um, and then also about, you know, upsetting their their white friends in their community. And I think feels like one of the things I've been trying to do is just really push people past that fragility and that fear um, and and encouraging people to be vulnerable and take some risks um, and, and to really kind of start speaking up. Well, because in a lot of ways, it's like y- you can't address someone's like racist ideas unless they're open with you about where they're coming from about them right yeah absolutely and I think it is really scary and hard for a white person to acknowledge their white supremacist training that we all have you know Mm -hmm. to actually nobody wants to be racist you know except for actual overt racists are pretty much the only people who actually want that most other Mm -hmm. people would prefer to not be considered racist. Um, the truth is, if you are ra- born and raised white in this country, you are racist. You have had done racist things at some point. You are trained in it. So it is a process of unlearning it. And the only way you can unlearn it is to actually talk about it and confront it. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to give, a, you know, a space for people, to, you know, to talk about that and for people to ask questions. And that's kind of been a big thing and I, I've been seeing I because I kind of opened up all my social media platforms and was like DMs are open send me your questions I'm not going to make fun of you I won't shame you I'll keep it anonymous mm-hmm. you know if you're straight up racist then like I will probably make fun of you but otherwise like <laughs> um you know otherwise I'm not gonna like you know and and people are sending me really genuine questions and what I'm seeing is that for a lot of people just the process of articulating your question um, most people will come to the answer themselves. Wow. So yeah, can you give an example of that? Uh, a lot of stuff around, you know, is it okay for me to put up a Black Lives Matter sign in my house? I, I'm worried that it'll seem performative. Um, I've never really put up anything like that before. So will people think that I'm just doing it, you know, 
to, to look a certain way or will people be mad at me? But maybe I should just stop worrying about what people will think because I really mm -hmm. actually believe this. So like, I probably should just put the sign up and not worry it. Wow, maybe I just answered my own question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, or, and so there's just something, I guess that goes back to what you said about therapy. There's something to just like talking it out um, and, and maybe getting out of, get out of your head. Um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm in the Bay Area. I've been born and raised here in this really progressive area. I've been in like activist communities for a long time. Um, I taught high school in Oakland for a long time. I feel like that's all given me. Um, I, I feel really comfortable and at ease talking about, um, talking about race, talking about whiteness. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, and I, and I, I realize that that's just really not the case for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people don't have that in their social circles, in their families, um, in their immediate communities. And I do think there's a lot of people that want to be able to talk and they just don't know where to start. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of something you said last week about, you know, the idea of white privilege is like the, the definition of that is that we get to ignore it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we don't have to have the conversations around race because we're largely fine. We're not affected by this stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And so to really like actually acknowledge that and you know it's not like a ghost of like you know it's not like do you believe in this it's like no it's here it's real are you yeah. ready to look at it and talk about it yeah and also that racism is not just something that only affects black and brown people like white supremacy is really bad for white people <laughs> it's a bad deal all around um and and like the more that that white people act as if it is you know again not something that is our problem that is just this you know this harmful thing that negatively impacts people who are not like us that's part of the problem like it actually is a really really a bad deal for everybody <laughs> uh come out and i talked about that last friday you know and he's like look mm -hmm. white people racism sucks for you too like the whole world will be better if we can get over this um and i think that's that's really true and yeah, I mean, that is often resonant with people who are familiar with conversations around the patriarchy, too, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like dudes don't win in that scenario. You may think you do, but like because the other things that come out of that are things like toxic masculinity exactly. and, you know, super rigid, rigid definitions around gender that like actually don't help anyone. We're all more restricted by these oppressive forces. For sure. And that's something that I've talked about a lot in the past several years with my books as well, because, you know, the, the books I've been writing with Miriam Klein Stahl really, you know, they mm -hmm. focus on stories of women and girls. Um, and, and I get a lot of like, these books are great for girls. And I'm always like, yeah, mm -hmm, they are not just for girls. Like I do not write <laughs> these books just to empower women and girls. I write them for everyone. Um, I have a daughter and a son and I see how equally important it is for me to be talking about gender and talking about um, all of this stuff with my son as well as my daughter. Yeah. So what do you think are like some of the most common questions that you've been fielding so far? Um, I'd say just in this past week, just with everything kind of immediately going on, there's been a lot. Of, I'd say the, the a lot about social media and concerns about being performative, being perceived, you know, um, and I, I think a lot of that, too, came out of that whole thing about the black square the black squares, which was a thing people did on Instagram last week. It was like a like a white person day of silence kind of situation. And I'm like, oh, my God, just get it like get over it. Like that's my my general take is like, guys, come on, get over it. Like move, move along. Like that is it. <laughs> but but I actually think that was a really important moment. I think any any time where white people are, are actively grappling with these issues, like really 
Like, I think the fact that so many people got so stressed out was a really positive thing because it means mm-hmm. people were actually thinking about what it means to post or not post and what is your responsibility on social media. So there's a lot of questions about that. And my general response has been, I first of all, it is 100% the time for white people to stand up, speak out, show your support, show your solidarity, um, and to do mm-hmm. it in genuine ways. And so if you're worried about being perceived as performative, like, then maybe don't just post repost a meme that somebody else already created. Maybe write your own post in your own vulnerable, honest words and make make transparent your your concerns and your worries. You know, say, I'm concerned about seeming this way. I'm worried about getting it wrong, but I believe the Black Lives Matter and I really want to do the work and I and I want to show up and I want to hold myself accountable. So I'm going to post this picture of a book I bought and I'm going to follow mm-hmm. up in a week with what I learned. Um, and, and I think that when people can come from an authentic, vulnerable place about it, um, I think that 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 is going to be really impactful. Well, and that reminds me of something that Kamau talked about with Conan, too, which is the idea of like, it's not just about doing the work, it's about showing the work, yes. right? And so the that follow-up thing, I think, is really interesting and something that a lot of people are still figuring out how to you know, that like getting to that step where it's like, okay, you bought the book. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like you read the book. Great. But like, let's unpack that, you know? Yeah. So like, show, I've been kind of, you know, I was like, I got to find out, I got to give this a name what I'm doing. So I've been like, you know, I've been referring to it as show your work. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll come up with a better title, but, but I think, you know, <laughs> for now it's, you know, yeah, it's like sh- show you, like, that's how we keep it going. You know, show your work. Like I, I keep joking that my kids, the math that they do in school, like you can't, you can no longer do like 10 times two is 20. You have to literally right. explain why that's the case. And like, yeah, write about it and draw a diagram. And like, like if, if my seven year old is doing that, then like, we can actually like, you can show what you're learning here. Yeah. What do you think are some of the more complicated questions that you've gotten? Yeah, that's so I was going to say, I'm also getting a lot of questions about, you know, how do I talk to X member of my family, um, yeah. you know, or my friends to me, the most complicated ones are, are those, those, um, those, and I've had a, a number of um, like my spouse is racist <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, wow, I'm sorry. That, that sucks. <laughs> Um, so people who are, are grappling with this with, you know, like, yeah, their husband or their wife or their or their parents, you know, and I think for the past several years, there's been a lot of like, talk to your racist uncle about at Thanksgiving, like, come on, white people, mm-hmm. like, come and get your come and get your family. And I think that's really important. I also acknowledge that it's really hard. Um, and I, that's a place where I don't think that I have the best insight, because um, that's not my experience. I'm really lucky to come from a, a pretty politically radical family whose whose values are really aligned with my own it's where I got my values (laughs) um Mm -hmm. so that's that that stuff is really sticky especially when it comes I think to um to like talking to a spouse um so I've tried my best there um I think I think that's a the real hard one though yeah I think what's tricky about it is that you know and it's a little different with friends but especially with family members like if you still want to like them at the end of the day yeah it can just it can be really difficult, but I do think it's still, I think it's still possible. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like with a couple of family members, I just try to eke away, yeah. you know, it's like about like, just like baby steps. It, and It is. And I think maybe what I do try to say is like, I, I would start by trying to figure out what, what your like goal or objective is. Like, mm-hmm. 
is it to get them to be totally on your side, right? You know, like, cause if someone's really, really dug in, you know, yeah. I think it's a perspective I've tried to take. I'm like, you, there's just a lot of people whose minds you're not going to change, you know, but like you said, yep. can you chip away? Can you offer them um, something that's a new way to think about it? Um, and, and like, again, I think a lot of it is how do we deal with, with defensiveness? Um, yeah. And I think there are some good strategies like rooted in nonviolent communication strategies yes. about like, how do we actually come to someone um, in a way that's not going to immediately put them on, on the defense because white people are extraordinarily defensive, turns out. Yeah. 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 For me, I've thought a lot about like just finding you know, even if like you can't acknowledge the entire system, like to at least pick an example that is very difficult to mm-hmm. argue with, yes. you know, like I think that can be really helpful because then at least it's like, OK, you at least see this much, you yeah. know, like we can get to the like zooming out thing. But like, let's just talk about this thing right now. I you know. Yeah. And so I think sometimes for me, I think, again, it depends on the person I find like historical, you know, I love history. Like that's our, our most recent book is Rad American History A to Z. It's all about America, like complicated histories. Um, so I think, th- yeah, things that are like, just there's just really clear evidence, like redlining, like, I, I, like, like the history of redlining. There are maps you can look at, you can see where lines were drawn. Like that is one of the, like, if you want to try to explain systemic historical racism, like that is a, that is a clear place to start. Um, mm-hmm. it's, hard, it's hard to argue that that wasn't a thing because it was absolutely a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, it was institutionalized. Yeah. It was like a legal thing yeah. for a long time. But uh, then aside from that, there's the emotional. I think that's part of the, I mean, again, the horrific video of, of, of George Floyd's murder. Like yeah. it yeah. hard. I mean, that's, that, that might be a place where people can find common ground of like, but you know, should this, is this okay? I mean, I, I yeah. It's, right. So I think, yeah, finding little bits of common ground in any place where you can kind of chip away and accept like, hey, we're probably not going to totally agree, but can we find like some little spots where we're where we're aligned? Yeah. Well, and I've found like both among friends and family members that when you can get there and when you find that common ground and when you're both able to say, you know, hey, thanks for hearing me out. I know this is really complicated and hard. And mm-hmm. when you get a response like, thank you for helping make me better. Like that, mm-hmm. that is such a rewarding experience. And if that's like the thing I can do as a person in the world yeah. that I have the time and space for is to like help encourage folks to like have those conversations with me who are other white people, like yeah. that feels really good. It really, you know? it really, it really does. And you know, yeah, if I can, yeah, I absolutely. And, and I'd say like, again, as I think through it, like I think a place to start, and maybe this is something kind of what you've done is, you know, start, if you can start a conversation with a family member or loved one of like, let's start with like, what do we agree on? Like what, mm-hmm. it, what values do, what values do yes, we share? Yes, what are our common values? You know, yeah. for real, like, I think that people are good. How about you? Like, I yep. think everybody deserves to live. How about you? You know, like, like yep. what, what kind yep. of broad stroke common ground can you begin with? Um, and then like go from there. More with Kate Shots in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen 
as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. So for people who have started to do some of this stuff, who are like, you know, mildly engaged, who are starting to figure it out, they've bought the books, they've read the books, they're asking the questions. What do you think is the next step for them? Yeah. So I think, again, like it's it's almost like with what, well, what's your objective with talking to your family member? Like your next step depends a lot on who you are, where you are, what resources you have, um, what your bandwidth is, and also like what you really care about. Because the thing is like systemic institutional racism impacts every aspect of, of policy and life and existence, right? So like if your thing is healthcare, like, okay, great. Like look at COVID, health disparities, like based on like, you know, on racism, there you go. You know, if your thing is public education, like, like start there, right? So it's part of it is just like, who are you and where are you? Um, I mean, I do think what we're seeing in the past, just even 24 hours is this, in the past weekend, is this radical shift in way people are talking about policing and about city budgets. Um, and I yeah. think that if you are someone who is interested in that, being starting on a local level, and I think we're really seeing, and I'm so glad in this like intense election year that we're having this moment where the importance of local elected officials and local city and county policies are like actually really being paid attention to. Uh, And so like, if you are interested, like look at your city budget, understand what is your, how much money does your police department get? And what does your public school system get? What do mental health services in your community look like? Like, you know, and, and the thing is that I will tell people like, if this is new to you, um, first of all, I guarantee you there are people in your community who've been working on this. Um, well, yeah, I was going to say, like, local news organizations often are reporting on that stuff, too. And if they're not, like, what a great chance to reach out to, you know, for example, your local public radio station and just be like, hey, I'm super interested in this. I bet other people are, too. Yeah. Can you, you know, write up some stories that make this accessible for people? And it can be really intimidating, too. And I think especially when you start to wade into city politics and budget stuff. I feel like there's always like some city policy wonky guy who's ready to mansplain to you because you haven't actually attended like every 10,000 city council (laughs) meetings, you know? And I think that's just another place for people to just like be ready to like take a deep breath, have some confidence, be willing to be a beginner um, and, and just like, like be willing to dive in and, and work to understand it. Like I am not, I personally am not an expert on city budgets and that stuff is really intimidating to me. But mm-hmm. I'm seeing in my own town and community how important it is that I do that work to really understand it. Um, well, and don't forget, wonks are just nerds, right? Yeah. Like they're just there very enthusiastic about it. Yeah. So <laughs> so reach out to them, learn from them. So, but aside from that, um, I mean, I think again, and every I, I this is like so bears repeating. This is this all needs to be long term sustained change, right? If you are waking up right now, like fantastic. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for your engagement and your willingness. Um, glad to have you. You know, it doesn't mean you have to commit every moment of the rest of your life to, to race, you know, Indian racial injustice, 
but this is long-term work. So like, it's okay also to just kind of listen right now. Um, you know, yes, let people know that you're listening, you're doing some work, show that work, but it's okay to be taking some time to read some books and watch some movies and, and to learn. So you have written so many amazing vignettes about people, women, especially in American history, who have helped impact change in the past. And I think it might be really nice for folks to read some books about activism now more than ever, just to sort of like see that there's like there's precedent for this. Right. Like this is how change happens. It's not that we're like trying to invent this like unreasonable process (laughs) right now. Right. Um, and so I wonder if if there's maybe like a story of a particular person who you talk about in one of your books that you might encourage people to read up on now also. Oh, I mean, for sure. I think the first people that come to my mind, especially in this moment, are Ida B. Wells and Fannie Lou Hamer um, yeah. in, in that they in a way. And I and I would say the Grimke sisters. You asked me for one. I just gave you um, four technically um, <laughs> because I wanted to cover a lot of historical ground. So I will say that I, again, when we talk about whiteness and white white privilege and, and racism, I, I do think it's really important. Again, it's a careful line between I, I do not want to like center the white hero, um, yeah. you know, and make it about like a white savior situation. But I do think it's really important that white people learn about other white people in history who put their lives on the line um, for racial justice. Um, You know, we need examples of white people who've done the right thing. Um, And so I think like if you go way back to like the Grimke sisters, man, some radical Quakers who were abolitionists and early women's rights, like they spent their entire life completely devoted to both causes. Um, And I think Ida B. Wells is like, she like there should be statues of her in every city in the country. And I think her Mm -hmm. work um, in the late 19th century and early 20th century, in journalism, in chronicling lynching, um, in suffrage and, and the right to vote. Um, I mean, her works touches on so many critical uh, issues that are so relevant today. I think that she's, you know, someone everybody should be learning so much more about. Um, and then I think when it comes to to voting and, and civil rights, I think Fannie Lou Hamer um, and her story of, you know, she was a sharecropper who got recruited basically to come into the civil rights movement and just was so powerfully devoted to uh, to voting rights um, and, and to civil rights. And I think is also someone who just came from super humble beginnings and kept it super real and was just always herself um, and who, you know, almost died, you know, trying to register black voters. So I think those are some starting points for people. Those are some really great starting points. Kate Schatz, Thank you so much. You are awesome. Oh, you're awesome, too. Thank you for for having me and uh, stay safe and healthy and uh, uh, activated and alert and and nerdy. All those things. Kate Schatz, amazing human. She's got a bunch of rad books that you should check out, especially if you've got some rad kids in your life. Kate is on Instagram as the letter K and then the number eight and then S-H-O-T-S, Kate Shots. Get it? And, you know, if you want to ask her a question, you totally should. She's so good at fielding everything and not shaming people. You can just send her a DM. She is answering them every day at 4 p.m. Central. Of course, that is 2 p.m. Bay Area time. And speaking of Ida B. Wells, my dear friend Ariane Nettles did an amazing radio story all about how Ida's work impacted politics here in Chicago. 
So you should check that out too. All you need to do is like just search Ida B. Wells Curious City and the story should come up. All right, that's it for today. Justin Bull produced this episode and Brendan Banazak is our executive producer. Have a good week and we'll see you Friday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.